Welcome to It Sounded Like a Good Idea at the Time, the semi-regular podcast where we talk about anything that's affecting you, which is really anything that's affecting me. My name is Caroline, um, and I am here with another Caroline who I am so excited to have. I know you guys are excited to hear from her too, but I'm here with Caroline Chambers. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Caroline. I'm so happy. Or Caro. Do you prefer Caro? Do you prefer Caroline? I I get that a lot. I... So all my friends and family call me Caro, but then uh-huh. people always feel awkward referring to me as Caro when they're not my friends and family yet, but right, it's right. like a public name. So it's kind of a funny thing. But yes, I love when people call me Caro, but you know, it's I, I'm both. Okay. Well, we'll take both. We'll see, we'll see where the conversation leads. We'll <laughs> where see where, we end things. We'll see where we land by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. One of um, my good friends who became good friends coming on the podcast, her name is Chris, but she is Christina on everything. Um, she's a baker. Yeah. And so I'm like, I started calling her Christina and she was like, just as a note, like, I hate when people call me that. And I was like, Oh, okay. So let me yeah. be, let me be a Chris with you. So anyway. Yes. Yeah. Mine's the opposite, I guess. I like went, I went heavy with the nickname on all of my, my like brand on every platform <laughs> and then people always are like am I allowed to call you that the answer um, well, is yes I do also really appreciate your caps locks branding on your um emails because it stands out in a really aggressive way that I'm like I need that energy thank you I do I do a lot of um yeah I use punctuation in my <laughs> in my favor I yell at people a lot in my newsletter well the good news is like even just in these few minutes together, I feel like you encompass that. But it's always, have you run into people who use like a lot of punctuation and then you meet them and they're like very stoic and it's like, ooh. Like when my husband and I started dating, he used a lot of periods in texts and I was like, hey buddy, like if we see this going somewhere, I need more exclamation points. So he would text me like, I'm on my way home, like all exclamations. So I'd call him and I'd be like, hey. And he was like, hey, just hey. letting you know I'm on my way. <laughs> It's like, no, no, no. We've got to match energies here. It has to come through. It has to be a carry exactly. I'm like, let me continue to coach you here on what I'm expecting. (laughs) So I'm trying to to create my perfect man here. Can't you just uh, cooperate? (laughs) Are you going to be coachable or not so much? Are you going to be coachable? (laughs) Show yourself. Um, Well, I know that we've had, both of us seem like we've had a week. You have sick kids. I've got just this juggle. (laughs) How is everybody feeling? I'm proud of us. It only took us what, like two and a half re No, 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 no. More than that. Maybe three and a half reschedules to yeah. get here. So, you know, two, but here we two are. working moms. We, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, how are your boys feeling? They're better. I, so I posted something on Instagram yesterday and was like, are your kids allowed to go to their school when they have snot or not right now? And oh my God, it, it was like, I was talking about, I don't know, the most important thing in the world. I got so many <laughs> freaking dms from people being like your kids can't go to school with snot oh, gosh. Or like, my kids can't either so madison's school is a zero snot policy and as you know because you have three that like, doesn't happen just, yeah it doesn't happen they're they're snotty little monsters and madison has literally been snotty for like three months straight so anyway he's at school he like oh he is at school good he's at school today he was out for eight days and this morning he woke up there was no snot and i was like take him before it happens again and <laughs> well, i haven't um, gotten a call yet i'm there's there might be a call happening right now but it's a good thing i turned my phone on airplane mode so <laughs> Nora. well i'm excited to talk about like just your your general juggle and schedule with childcare and that kind of thing because one of the th- yeah. i started following you um 
I can't remember who recommended you, probably a million people, but I started following you and I really liked your content. But then I think what sold me, like really sold me, was when you were talking about outsourcing as a working mom, not just childcare, because so many people are like, we'll just get more sitters. And I'm like, that doesn't, that only exacerbates for me the tension I feel as a full-time working mom who also like freelances. And I know you have like a multifaceted business model, but I'm like, that doesn't actually solve the heart of the problem. And I, it was so refreshing to hear from you of like outsource other things. Yes. I forgot that was when you first asked me to come on was after I <clears throat> talked a little bit about that on Instagram. And again, that was just another really hot topic thing for moms. I can't remember if I talked about it on a poster, my stories, whatever. So many people, it's still something I get asked all the time is like, what does that mean? How do you do it? Where mm-hmm. do you find people to help? What do they help with? Like moms who not even just working moms, like if you're a mom, that's, if you're a full-time stay at home mom, that's, you know, I feel like people say it condescendingly, like, well, that's such a hard job. I could never right. do that. And like, no, I could, I could do it. It's much harder than my real job. Like for being sure. a full-time stay at home mom it never ends. You don't get a break because so many full-time stay-at-home moms feel so much guilt around getting help because they're like, I'm not working. I'm not right. Like this is my job, right? Like I'm, this is my job. So I can't, you know, outsource my job. Yes, you can think about like being in an office. You, when you're in an office, like you're, you have a graphic designer doing your graphic design. You have a administrative assistant booking your flights, like you're not doing it all. Um, so I, yeah, I have sort of, I guess it was, I don't know, in the middle of COVID when I, maybe, maybe when I didn't have like childcare wasn't an option, uh-huh. I kind of figured out like, okay, if I'm going to make this work and I'm going to actually sleep more than freaking three hours a night, uh-huh. I've got to start outsourcing things that aren't what I want to be working on so that I can spend more time with my kids. Cause I was basically, yeah, it was in this like spiral of, or this just like rabbit hole of like booking sitter and sitter and sitter. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day going, damn it. I didn't even see my kids today. And like, that right. makes me feel it makes me feel sad. I'm one of those moms who like, or parents, I should say that like, I have the passing of time hits me so hard. I think it yeah. for most people it does, but mm-hmm. I am like, my best friend is like, I've never seen another mom be hit as hard as you. Like I cry mm-hmm. every time I put one of their little outfits away that they've mm-hmm. outgrown. Like it really hits me. So when I am just working, 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 and I don't get to spend that quality time with them, even if that quality time is just like 30 minutes in the morning, 30 at night, it hurts so bad. So yes, I I have sort of crafted this strategy for outsourcing other parts of my life that are not, they're not all babysitter. Yeah. How have you triaged that? Like, is it based on things that you find least enjoyable? Is it the time suck stuff or is it an amalgam yes. of it? Those. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know what I do, I'm a freelance, I'm, I'm a freelance recipe developer. I'm a professional recipe developer and I now have grown a larger Instagram following. So I also have brand partnership stuff, AKA like influencery work that I do. I still develop recipes for brands and those also have to be photographed. I write a newsletter called what to cook when you don't feel like cooking that is, it comes out right now. It comes out every Sunday. I might, it might be 
dabbling with doing more. And then I also have a cooking class subscription. Mm-hmm. So it's just like several different things. I also write these meal plans that, um, Good mood food. Good mood food. It's my Um, my hashtag on Peloton. If you're my friend, you can find me at the good mood food hashtag. (laughs) Hashtag good mood food. Um, So I write, I have these just like several different pieces of what I'm doing. And yeah, I guess triage is actually a really good word for it. It started as, I kind of realized I had hit sort of a ceiling of how much I could possibly work. I was literally, when Callum was first born, Callum was my second son who was born almost a year ago. When Callum was first born, I, you know, typical self-employed mom took like two weeks of maternity leave max, Mm -hmm. like basically not at all and got right back into it. And I was sleeping like three hours a night because during the day I was like, you know, you're, you have a freaking newborn and you have a toddler. (laughs) I was basically like, you know, anytime they were asleep, I was cramming in work. And then my work day truly for like a year of my life, my work day started the second they got to bed. So it would start. And yeah, you know, that struggle, like, Oh yeah. 730 PM, the kids would go to bed. I would grab my laptop sit down at a table, like George and I would both scarf down whatever recipe I had tested that day, not even talk to each other. And I would work until like one or two or three. Mm -hmm. And then the day starts again at six. And it was just so unsustainable. My anxiety was like skyrocketing because I wasn't sleeping. And I really hit a peak at like, I think it was four months postpartum. I started just having terrible, like crippling postpartum anxiety. Like all of a sudden, you know, I don't know if you have the like spooky image side of... Yeah. So I was going to say with my first... So listeners know this, but so I was working like a very corporate job when I had my first and I couldn't... I was our breadwinner. Like I couldn't leave that. But my husband works in the food industry. He's a chef and he came home one night at like midnight or when chefs come home. And I was like, hey big news. I'm not going to go back to work. Like, surprise, we're going to figure this out. And I started freelancing full time, had our second. And, you know, freelancing is a great gig because I'm flexible and I'm home. But I also became so like beholden to whatever client work I had that I felt like I couldn't say no to any project. And I was stretched so thin, especially because I felt like I had to work. You know, I didn't have another option. But I felt like I was great. I was running on adrenaline and that felt very healthy. And then when I had my second around, I guess when she was seven months old, because there was no maternity leave. So I was working in the hospital Um, around seven months. My therapist was like, hey, so here's like a thing. I don't know if you consider it about yourself right now. And I was like, if you say that I have postpartum anxiety, I will leave the room. And she was like, is it because you know you have it? And I was like, yes, because it was the same thing. It was like, for me, trigger warning for anybody with anxiety stuff, it was like these horrible nightmares of graphic things that would happen to my kids. It was not like a detachment from my kids, which is what I expected. Like, oh, I'm not going to love them. It felt like I loved them too much to the point that I was compulsive about checking on them, you know? Oh yeah, sure do. That's but I was exactly. like, this is healthy. This is just loving them a lot. And there was no oh, part of me that was like, this is due to an unsustainable work environment that is exacerbating this issue. Yep. Okay. So that's, I had it with both of my kids. I had it mm-hmm. really bad with Mattis, the, the check, the, the constant the checking check. thing. Uh-huh. Oh my God. I was, I was in and out of his room. No, I was really addicted to the monitor. I watched yeah. his video monitor 
every 30 minutes all night long. So I never actually slept for like the first six months of his life. And then I kind of, whoops, sorry. I kind of like got control of it and um, realized, oh shit, I had postpartum anxiety. Like for the first Mm -hmm. time around like eight months postpartum with Mattis. So I knew it. And I was like, okay, that's not going to happen to me again. That's not going to happen to me again. And like Like sheer force of will is going to keep it from happening. Yeah. And like, I'm in control of this. And like Callum came out and I literally just had, honestly, and it sounds annoying. uh, You know, moms have a hard time saying when we are in a good place also, because we know how hard it is to be in the bad place. But the first four months of Callum's life were like so fun. I was like doing cool new things with my career. It was when I launched my cooking class membership. Callum was just like the sweetest, easiest baby you know, mm-hmm. Mattis was at a really fun age. Like we were just in a groove. And then this postpartum anxiety, I think four months is kind of, four months postpartum is kind of a shift for a lot of people. It's when a lot of us start losing our hair. It's, right. I don't know. I don't know what goes on. I don't know if they start well, breastfeeding I think too. They start to, they start sleeping maybe longer or sh- allegedly yeah. start sleeping longer. And you yeah. realize like maybe it's not just fatigue. There's something else perhaps <laughs> going that's, on. That's actually a really interesting point. Like you kind of can mask things like, oh, I'm just an exhausted new mom. And then all of a sudden, yeah, that, that could be it. Cause I, I hear from so many people that they hit that four month mark and it just really gets them. But anyway, um, it, it started to give me a four months and I realized I have to start sleeping more to mm-hmm. not feel scared and sad and weird and freaky all the time. Um, I realized how closely correlated it was to sleep. I can't, I can't even like look at caffeine anymore without having a panic attack Mm -hmm. and, um, and exercise. And I sort of started doing those three things, but with the getting more sleep meant that I had, if I wanted to keep like, you know, as a freelancer, it's so hard to say no to jobs because you're like, Mm -hmm. it's a $15,000 job. How do I say no to that? Like, oh, it never comes again. They'll never call me again. If I don't take it, It, they don't want me next month. They want me this month. And you already have. 40 other jobs going on. So it's really hard to say no. And I basically realized me personally, even if I had all the childcare in the world, I couldn't get the amount of work that I was starting to have offered to me. I couldn't get it done. If I brought on other people to help, I could do it. So the first, I think the first thing I did, and this is really specific to like the influencer world, but I, Mm hired a um a brand partnerships manager it was a girl who was a friend from san diego and she worked in pr and she had done she had like hired me as an influencer to do uh like influence whatever brand partnership stuff for a few of the brands she worked on she was leaving she was starting her own thing and she was like would you be my first client i was like hell yeah like yeah absolutely i can't can't even answer the emails that i'm getting Mm -hmm. and i certainly can't Basically, until you hit like a certain level, the brands that want to work with you as an influencer are like freaking weird brands. <laughs> right. If you, if you have the time, like they're like, you know, here's a dental floss company that's glow in the dark. And you're like, oh, my, my followers are going to love this. <laughs> that's right. That aligns with my brand. So that well. is going to look so authentic on my page. So, <laughs> but if you have the time to pitch yourself out, like mm-hmm. around, you know, 30, 40, even less thousand followers, 
they want to work with you. You just have to be able to get yourself in front of them. And so Lindsay, basically we like work off of this shared note and we just like constantly add, I go to, if I discover a new brand, I add it, she pitches them. And that's how I like get new partnerships now. So that was the first thing. And that has been a complete game changer. I went from, you know, making like, and for readers who don't know me, I am very open about uh, sort of like financial things. Cause I think it's yeah. the only way that women can be empowered to Oh, amen. I'm doing the Meryl Street gift. (laughs) (laughs) So I I went from making like, I don't know, $10,000 in brand partnerships. And mind you, I also have a lot more followers this year. But Mm -hmm. I I think we like easily will hit like 100 to 150,000 in brand partnerships alone this year because I brought somebody on. And if I have, I'm paying her, right? Which is a scary move as a freelancer and as a like, brand or whatever the hell you want to call like people who work for themselves in this you know kind of arena it's really scary to bring on your first employee because you're like Mm -hmm. oh but like the brand partnership is a thousand dollars and she's gonna make x percent of that like right i could just i could just broker it myself like no Mm -hmm. your your hour is worth so much more so that shift in thinking about okay if i can work five hours on a, you know, $5,000 brand partnership just to pay her X percent of that. I, I wouldn't have had it otherwise, you know, right, like right. thinking about, you know, it's just kind of what every like big company goes through and you just have to go through it as an individual. Um, but I think that's true. Like even figuring out the dollar value on your time and I've been doing it for a long time and even still I'm like, I'll take whatever you can pay me. And I'm like, I know that that is not, that that's not right, you know, but there is that, that scarcity mindset of like, if I can't do it for them, they'll find somebody else who will. So I might as well take it. And I don't mind if it's undervalued, you know, like it's just this weird step that I think as women and as parents, we're like, we'll just take whatever we can get. So to have somebody like advocating for you, it's, I would imagine is a game changer. There's also some, and I'm going to botch this because I, I don't know the exact data point or whatever it is, but uh, my my husband went to Stanford Business School. I did not, but I like, mm-hmm. you know, I like got yeah. the um, I got the Cliff's Notes, and then I forgot you're, the you're Stanford notes. adjacent. You're fine. I'm I basically went to Stanford Business School, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but right. there's there's a thing in the business world where women like it's much women can achieve. Um, much like higher yeah, incomes, whatever they're negotiating for, women are better at negotiating if somebody negotiates on behalf of them. Like it's a psychological thing. It's a biological thing, whatever. It's right. all very sexist. But Lindsay negotiates so hard for me. And we don't, and we don't, to your point about like finally knowing your worth, I used to take like, like somebody would send me a, you know, four boxes of free cereal. And I'd be like, of course I'll post about this. Oh my God. Thank you so much. And like, like, I don't have to buy. So thank you. (laughs) I don't have to buy. So thank you. And then like, you're looking at it you're like, oh wait, that's literally $15. They like put it (laughs) right. Even retail. So for them, it was like $4. Cause I used to send influencer shoes. I worked for a international like shoe retailer. And so I built their influencer program and, but we had like, we had $0. So I'd be like, 
how many pairs of shoes can I send you? They're very cheap Chinese imports, but how many can I send you for you to post about? They're like like, 4,000. I I will give you seven pairs of our premium private label for you to do anything you want with. You know, it's like, I hated doing it because I'm like, you will take it because we picked like up and coming influencers. But I'm like, I am part of this problem that feels very sick of you to me. Oh, you wouldn't believe the amount of I we've we probably I now field them through my assistant, but I probably get five emails a day from brands being like, We would love to share this in a just in exchange for one reel, five Instagram stories, one but I'm like <laughs> just just do you follow um Steph McNeil who writes for BuzzFeed? She has a she has a great newsletter that I'm obsessed with called Please Like Me. And it's um like influencer news basically where one of the things that she really advocates for are sharing influencers like calling out brands to be like you paid me $100 for to your point one reel five stories an actual post in my channel then you took my photos and used them and you have made you know six million dollars off of them or whatever it's fascinating I know you're also a Peloton fan so she also breaks down like Peloton content creators in a way that I really like. So it's worth, it's worth a follow. Well, yeah, the Peloton thing's really interesting. They basically like just took Instagram famous fitness people and made (laughs) them, made them into, uh, What's it called? Spin instructors. Yes, and cash cows for themselves. Cash freaking (laughs) cows. Yes. Which I'm fully bought into because I know, like, you know, when people kept talking about Cody before I had a Peloton, I was like, that's the one that I'm not going to like because everybody likes him. Of course, I love him. Then I found out he's from North Carolina. It's like when I found out you're from North Carolina. Um, And I told my aunt the other day, I was like, I'm talking to. Caro Chambers, who I'm obsessed with, she did Insta Story Your House the last time she was in North Carolina. I forgot about that. Oh my God. So, if, so as a, a background, I follow uh, in my algorithm. Caroline comes up like among the first, and I knew she she was in North Carolina visiting family, and you were in Winston, and I have several friends who are from Winston. So I was like, I'm just going to follow this content, and you were on Buena Vista, and I was like she's near my aunt's house. I know. And you panned around to my aunt's house and I was like, there it is. There, there it is. I remember you, you messaging me being like, ah, oh, that's my aunt's house. I was like, well, this, I just realized how creepy I am. I no, but that's how creepy that I was. And I was like, I know she's close. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see I it. Know. We're going to get that hit. No, I'm the one posting videos of random aunt's houses. Strangers, <laughs> private <laughs> residences. Private residences. But you know, Oprah, <laughs> Oprah nearly bought the White House across the street that you were originally storing. So it's yeah. worth it. Yes, I know. God, wouldn't that have been fun? <sighs> anyway, put Winston on the map. Um, anyway, we've got Winston on the map on that one. Um, what are we talking about? Influencer stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we were talking about just triaging what you do and knowing your worth. And, you know, yeah. I love that you have not felt defined by a box, or maybe you have and have broken out of that, but from a like real vertical business model to, and I'm going to do this and this and this, was that intentional or have things grown organically for you? That's a great question. So I, until March, 2019, I was a professional recipe developer and I developed recipes for brands that hired me to like, you know, uh, Kim Crawford wine would be like, we need five pairing recipes that go with our rosé. Great. 
Um, I worked with a lot of wine brands, a lot of like cheese brands, uh, beer brand. I was working on a Corona project when coronavirus happened. I kid you not. I'm sure you were. So I was doing that and it was like the, the money was good. Again, it was a situation where I had such a cap on how much I could make because of, because I could only do so much. Like it was this job that I, like I could only charge so much and Mm -hmm. I could only do so much. So there was like a real cap. And I always, like, I really like to talk to people. I am outgoing. I, I like sort of being like public facing, talking about food. Mm -hmm. So I always like, would sort of randomly put up an Instagram story of like me cooking dinner and people would be like, you should do this more. And I was like, yeah, yeah. But like, I don't have time. And then when the pandemic started, I had all the time in the world and I was like, all right, let's just freaking go for it. So I started like very intentionally. I was like, I'm going to try to build up my Instagram following and like see where that takes me. Cause Mm -hmm. all that I knew like just being an influencer and like just kind of posting random things about my day never interested me. But I knew that like, if I want to write another cookbook, if I want to have an app with my recipes someday, like whatever it was, building up your social media presence was important. So I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. So I just started like going hard, developing tons of like pandemic COVID pantry friendly recipes and like very quickly grew my Instagram from like 4,000 followers to I'm now around 40,000. 40, and so, yeah, I, it's funny. I, I was just talking. So I, I write a newsletter on the platform Substack and I was just talking to, I'm like now at a point with my like revenue on Substack that I have like an, a handler. Like they like call me and they're Ooh. like, do this, do that. I know it's very fancy. Uh-huh. Do this, do that. Like um, here's how you can get more subscribers and here's how you can engage your community better. So I had a call with them right before I had it with you. And I was, he was like, I just think if you go heavier on Substack, you know, you could grow your audience so much more there. And I was like, I know. Dan, but I also have (laughs) my classes and I also have my brand partnerships and I'm also trying to create unique content, awesome content for Instagram that makes more people want to follow me, which then allows me to get more subscribers for my newsletter. Right. I'm definitely at a point right now where I like, I really love all of my different things I'm doing. So my classes, my newsletter, just publishing stuff on Instagram for free. Um, all the brand partnerships I do, those are sort of like my four businesses, if you will. Right. I love them all, but I, sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, what do I focus on today? How do right. I, how do I make that the best version of that when I need to be focusing on my class that's in an hour and a half. Like, right. It is. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's complicated bringing on like, again, outsourcing help. So even, even like doing my newsletter through Substack is a form of outsourcing for me. So I used Mm -hmm. to do my newsletter just through my own website. Um, and using Substack has sort of like centralized. It allowed me to switch over to a paid model of a newsletter, which my you know website didn't allow. It um, gives me like much better wow. templates. 
I now have an editor who edits my newsletter, um, who I just found out kind of a cool thing about being a Substack writer is that they're kind of trying to create their own, basically like give writers the infrastructure as if they worked at a large publication. They're trying to give writers, it's very interesting. They're, they're trying to like empower writers to leave these big publications that don't let them talk about whatever. Right. If they have, if like, if you have a following, like just go do it yourself, people will pay you. That's kind of like the way, like the new model is like, just pay the individual. Don't pay New York times, pay Caroline Chambers. It's been um, so interesting to see like these paywalls come up and like feel the tension of like, well, I'm spoiled because I get everything on social media for free. And I then know. being like, but I consume all this content for free and I shouldn't, you know, like it's uh-huh. interesting how to justify that. Mm-hmm. Like, so I pay for your subscription. I pay for New York Times subscription to their cooking site. And I probably like would pay for others. Like I consume Half-Baked Harvest free content constantly. And I'm like, why should she? I mean, she does make money off of me visiting, but also why should she give it to me for free? I that's funny you say how big for but she just crushes it so much because yeah pictures are amazing and she publishes a new recipe every single day which is just it it blows my mind (laughs) how much she creates she creates a freak ton of content but um i think about her a lot i'm like why is she still doing this for free when smaller people like me are making like you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars from just putting up a paywall. Right. And I guess it's just because her, I think her traffic to her website is so insane. It's got to be huge. I'm good. (laughs) There's no need for that. But, you know, even like not to shift completely the conversation to Afghanistan, but there is a little bit of a segue here. Like I've been following um, a lot of the news, obviously, with Afghanistan, And so when I've done like swipe ups of like a Jessica Yellen or somebody like that to even a Washington Post and it's like, well, you need to pay for this. I'm like, Mm -hmm. how dare you? I'm trying to stay up on global events. But I'm also like, no, it absolutely makes it makes sense because the the print advertising subscription model is not there. So obviously I should do that. Um, But it's interesting how accustomed we've been to just getting things for free. And now I can get all the misinformation I want for free (laughs) if I want some kind of verified sources. But my point of shifting it to that conversation is obviously we're very aware of what's going on in Afghanistan. You used your platform in such a unique way because I feel like um, so many people have just wanted to do something, but there hasn't been as clear cut of an answer as like Haiti relief donations for Mm -hmm. this particular problem. But you mobilized your followers in a really cool way. And you've raised what is it $55,000 in like three days. And you told people to stop donating, which was so I know. I think we're up up to like 57 because people didn't stop donating, which is fine. (laughs) But But I, yeah, I did. I basically posted on Instagram on Sunday, my, no, on Saturday, George and I were having like a day date and I like posted some picture of drinking a margarita as I always do. And, but in reality, we were sitting there both like glued to Twitter, just like reading updates, George sort of texting with all of his friends. George was in the military for anyone who doesn't know, um, and did two deployments to Afghanistan so he's like texting his buddies and they sort of don't know what to text each other, but they're all just feeling like sad and confused and weird. And 
Um, so I post this picture of Margarita and then I'm like, actually, that's not what I'm fucking doing right now. I'm like mm-hmm. trying to make sure my husband is okay. He lost, I think four members of his team in nine months. It was like the greatest SEAL team casualty Gosh. in 10 years or something like he went through some shit and this is a really weird time and I want to make sure he's okay. And so I like posted something right after my Margarita. I was like, I posted that, but actually this is what's going on. We're thinking about all the Afghans who have been working with the U S that are still Mm -hmm. stuck there. We're worried about them. And I'm also thinking about all these military families who are being completely just wrecked by this right now. So Biden called for all troops out and then basically immediately mobilized some to go back some to go for the first time ever in their careers um basically like big ships full of marines like sit off the coast of the middle east and usually just sit there and are like you know can mobilize if anything is necessary i don't think they've mobilized and i mean i'll get it wrong but in so long and then all of a sudden these troops that have never actually set boots in afghanistan are like going to afghanistan all these wives spouses back home are like what and they were Mm -hmm. all they were supposed to be home they they weren't supposed to go on deployment so yeah i posted something was like if anybody in the military community needs anything um you know let me know and i got all these dms from military spouses and moms and all these different people being like that is so nice like we don't need anything but you know it's really hard like my unit this is what's happening 10 women in my husband's unit are pregnant. And now we don't know when our husbands are going to be home. Gosh. All these different things. And I just shared some of those stories. And the other half of the DMs that were coming in were from civilians who are not related to the military being like, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And mm-hmm. so I was like, hey, if everybody who watches my stories sends me a dollar, that'll be like $15,000 that I can send to a couple of these women maybe they fly in their mom to be with them during the birth instead of their husband maybe they get a doula maybe they get some child care for their older kids like i don't maybe they get 10 margaritas after the birth i don't care but it's just like (laughs) a gift right like Mm -hmm. it's not charity it's just a little gift to give Mm -hmm. to them and show them like you know hey we know this war started 20 years ago we know it's really Am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's really flipping, flipping <laughs> complicated. Go for um, it. All politics aside, like thank you mm-hmm. and your spouse for what you're doing for our country. And so I posted that, and literally within 24 hours, maybe maybe 48 hours, we had raised fifty seven thousand dollars. So now, now my other my my fifth full time job <laughs> yeah, is the fifth vertical for you. The fifth vertical is. Um, trying to get this goddamn money out of my Venmo and into the right hands <laughs> and get past the Venmo. Venmo like only lets you uh, take out $5,000 a week. And so I'm like creating this like very complicated payment schedule to get all these ladies. I'm like, okay, you're, you're creating like some shell corpse that, oh, <laughs> that are funneling and this like, money. And like my accountants involved to make sure nobody gets taxed on it. Like it's a whole, it's a whole thing. And I'm I like, really appreciated okay. that you posted that about your accountant, because I think it's something that people don't really consider that you're like, 
not only am I gifting you, but also here's a tax bill. So enjoy, enjoy this blessing yes. that we are granting to you. Yes, like I, I, I did really appreciate that. I, it's such a funny thing. Like the social media world is so weird for so many reasons, but that happening this week. So that happened started three days ago. So I'm still very much like in the throes. Like I'm emailing them right now in the middle of emailing one of these moms who I got basically the um, head head spouse of one of these units to email the whole unit and be like, if you are expecting while this deployment is still happening, like this group of people wants to help you. And I'm so I've just been emailing back and forth with all of them. Um, that's what I was saying. I was saying social media is so weird. Yeah. But it's also so amazing. Um, like 10 of my followers when I started this were like, this is amazing. I just donated. FYI, you need to be very careful about how you give this gift to make sure you don't get taxed on it. Da, da, da. You can talk to my accountant if you want. So all these people were like looking out for the effort on that. That's really <laughs> that great. Well, I um, uh, Emily in your phone is a, is a great um, account that has had a lot of good news roundup. But she sure. just brought up the point that so many of us are used to being able to just swipe up and donate to anything that feels like it's an effort. But I think what has, what has hit really hard about this is there is no easy answer. And so it challenges everybody to be like, what do you do with this information? Do you sit with it? Do you like, how do we, and it's really easy for somebody to be like, we'll call your congressperson and you're like, well, but I'd rather Venmo you. (laughs) That's cool. I will. That's fine. But this has been like an exercise for, everything but i think for you to provide a platform that also feels very um direct and very personal because there are a lot of us who don't know what it's like to have an afghan interpreter save our husband's unit's lives like one of my good friends is the executive director of a nonprofit that works with veterans with ptsd and mental health and has seen a huge uptick in in their crisis line um but we can all relate to yeah. If you're pregnant, like I'm due in December with our fourth and I, my husband's not in the military, but if suddenly he was like, by the way, I probably won't be there and I'm going somewhere that it is really dangerous for me. Like we can all relate to that feeling of, yes. but, oh, like literally, but what? Like it gives me chills on my whole body to even think about like the amount of military spouse friends who I have that have delivered one, two, three kids without their husband and then their husband sometimes doesn't even come home for months so that these husbands right. are meeting their children when they're like three four yeah, months, months old like that's, that's a common story and um yeah so i you know just kind of that's what obviously like you i i have a two and a half and a one-year-old so motherhood is what I think about all the time. And so when I, yeah, all the time about this crisis, the first thing that I knew I could mobilize my community around was Mm -hmm. military moms. And so that's what I did. It's funny. I've gotten not many, but a few messages from people being like, can't you direct some of these funds to that, to the Afghan refugees? And I'm like, listen, Absolutely. Like I will be refocusing some energy on Afghan refugees, getting them resettled in the United States. I plan Mm -hmm. to do a lot of things there, but right now I'm focusing on this and like that has to be okay too. Like I'm not. And it's also super important. Yeah. Like I don't think that that's getting in the news cycle right now, but that is those, those women are no less affected and those families are no less upset about what's happening. And I think it's something that we forget when we see headlines, like this problem is not 
siloed. <laughs> you know, yes. there's every, another thing is so many military mm-hmm. military families sign up for this. Like mm-hmm. they sign up for active duty. They they agree to this sort of lifestyle and. So like George, for instance, my husband would never, he would be so reticent to accept this kind of gift because he'd be like, what? No, like, it's just my job. Like, of course, I'm going to be deployed during the birth of Mattis. Like, whatever, (laughs) you know, it's no big, it's just what it is. Like, we can't accept some gift, which is just so absurd. Like, it's not a charity. We're just like giving a little, we're just trying to help a few people out who need help. Like, that is right the thought of giving birth without George like makes me want to throw up. And the fact that so many women do it, honestly, I I was trying to find a nonprofit or a group that like provides doulas or flies in the mothers of or whatever for women who deliver without their husbands. And there's not one. I was like, how is this a thing? The Navy SEAL foundation I've done fundraisers in the past and have donated a lot of money to them. So I immediately called them and was like, guys, you got to help me get this money into the right hands. Yeah. I want to give it to, you know, mothers of, of soldiers who are or soldiers, sailors, whatever, who are deployed and give birth without their husbands. And they were like, uh, that doesn't exist. Like we don't have anything like that. Like we do some child <laughs> like, okay, care well, what will it take? Okay. What will it take yes. for it to exist? Cause that's our yeah. next goal. I literally almost, I mean, I had to, you know, truly stop myself from like creating a charitable organization about that. That tends to be my um, toxic trait. You know, you see those memes are like my toxic trait is always like, Oh, it doesn't exist. Like I'll do it. Like I have this. So, you know, I'm a marketing director for a nonprofit. I freelance. And then um, on weekends I have a meal service where I make meals for families. And so every Tuesday I put out a menu and then I make meals for families in Charlotte. And it was all because someone posted on a, that's insane. I did dinners. Yeah. So it's $15 for a meal. It feeds three to four people. It comes fully cooked. They heat it up, whatever. So, but it started because somebody posted on a mom group, like, does anybody do this? And I was like, yeah, I do. Uh Uh I didn't, but I was like, but I, so (laughs) Caroline Airy is my name. And so it's carry out, see Airy out. Um, and really so because good. I thought of that name, like immediately, I was like, yeah, I do. It's called carry out. And so I like, <laughs> I'm in the social media space. So I hurried and like made a Facebook page, invited some friends to like legitimize it. And I'm like, I do that all the time. Here's yeah. what it is. Yeah. And so if if I were you looking for that, I would be like, well, it exists now. And here's the nonprofit. Thank and you. Here it is. Here's my 501c3. <laughs> exactly. Like, here's my license. You got here's it. I'll take all this money. Yes. I, um... I'm a big proponent of the fake it till you make it. That's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. if I, if I had a life slogan, that would be it. I'm like, yeah. Oh, can I like photograph this, you know, huge brand marketing thing? Yeah, of course. Sure. I, work, I work with this photographer all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Photographer, you know? Yeah. I, that's, that's the story of my life too. That was me. We um, ran into a billing snafu with um, our nonprofit videographer for an event. Uh, And I was like, hey, just as a reminder, this is like three times more than I said I could pay. And he was like, oh, well, I'll just send you all the raw files instead of an edited finished file. And I was like, that sounds great. I can edit video. And like this morning, 
in my one and a half hours of childcare, I was Googling like how to color correct (laughs) raw film files. And I was like, I'm crushing this. (laughs) Like also now I'm a videographer. Yep. Yep. I, I just talked to a girl this morning who was like trying to get into the food space. She just went to culinary school. She doesn't know what she wants to do. And she was like, but you know, I can't like, how do I get my first job in recipe development if I don't have any experience? You, I was like, <laughs> you write down on your resume, right. freelance recipe developer for the past three years. And when they ask you for who, you say random brands. That's right. Because they're not going to check it. And also like make up a couple of recipes and then just say yeah. like, at you, who knows that you yeah. did private recipe development for yourself. I, who cares? There are probably like 30 women who are trying to get into the food world out there who use Caroline Chambers recipe developer and tester for Caroline Chambers on their <laughs> resumes. Because I'm like, put me down. Yes, say, say you develop all my recipes for me. I don't care. Like, right. Well, for my meal plans, I just take like free recipes that are out there and make them yeah. for people because the service that they want is someone to make the food. And yeah. I never say that they're proprietary. It's oh, just... God. Well, there I they give are. full permission to use any of my recipes. Well, retroactively, that's good news because I did <laughs> run your, your one pot squash casserole pasta oh, for yeah. 36 families and they no. loved it. So that's insane. How did yeah, you do so, that for 30? Do you have like industrial pots or do you? Yes, we do. Because my with with David's background, we have like all the catering stuff. And Ooh, so I just... I big batch it. We have um, three refrigerators, two two fridges in our garage, one inside, and then a deep freezer. So I just make it all week and then deliver. I have two moms who deliver on Sundays who were laid off during COVID. And so I pay them to make my deliveries and it's done. But it was my meatless meal option and it was really good. <laughs> that is cool. Okay. So we have to talk about this business idea, but my... My cousin-in-law, I guess, Maddie, mm-hmm. was, is like obsessed with good mood food, which is my, it's like a five-day meal plan. You know what it is. But so good. Oh, it's so good. Yes. Five-day meal plan and kind of all the meals like intertwine. So like on Sunday night, you do cook a bunch of, you do like this big chicken roast with vegetables. And then the next day, a little bit of those vegetables go into your lunch, but at dinner, some of the chicken goes into your tacos, like whatever. It all kind of carries throughout. Um, but she was like, and the taco to- salad from that is killer. The taco salad is so good. So she was like, you need to hire people like across the country to like make the entire good mood food plan. See, there you, you go. That's what you need to be it. There you, you go. I will, I will be your Charlotte base. I'll be your Charlotte yeah. HQ Honestly, for good mood food. We could crush it in Charlotte. That sounds great. Cause that is a little bit how it happened. This girl was doing a meal plan that was like pretty strict and she was like, I just don't want to make it. And I was like, yeah. I do this all the time. I can do that. Yeah. Literally, literally. Carry never. And, yeah. Carry carry out. Business, carry out. <laughs> exactly. It's blowing up in Charlotte. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but good mood food. I will say when I saw the lunches, salads for lunch, I was like, I don't need a salad recipe obviously, but I didn't know how badly I needed a salad recipe because those salads are way better than what I throw together in my kitchen. I know. I, I have to say, I have a real knack for making salads taste really good. And that it's funny of all the recipes in good mood food, which there's like, so good mood food is a plan that I will continue to do, but there's only one out so far. It's a one week plan. And, um, 
yeah, of all, there's like this delicious like salmon teriyaki recipe. And the thing that people freak out about the most is the most simple, which is just like the chicken, kale and quinoa salad. People oh, are it's like, so good. I used farro yeah. instead of quinoa because yes. you did on Instagram. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I love farro. Oh my gosh. It was so good. So good. And again, I was like, I do not need a salad recipe, but Party, I, healthy. It's just delicious. delicious. So what is your favorite thing to make when you don't feel like cooking? I love your freezer filing system. I now want to freeze everything vertically. But if you're not eating out of your freezer and you're not in the mood, what do you make? I make pasta with like actually what I made last night is a really good example. I like roasted cherry tomato. I did like a fridge clean out cherry tomatoes, Mm -hmm. squash, zucchini, and some like this like delicious Calabrian chili paste thing. Oh, yeah. So I roasted it basically into like a tomato squash zucchini confit. So it was like really tender and roasty. And then I boiled off some, boiled some pasta, threw that in with a little pasta water and a ton of Parmesan, yes. basil, and that's dinner. That's, that's my delicious. That's my go to. I make, I also, when even when I, it's it's kind of an affliction. Even when I don't feel like cooking, I'm like must test recipe. So even like last night, <laughs> I I'd been cooking all day filming, and I didn't yeah. feel like cooking at all. But I was like, ugh, I have to cook us dinner. Like my the kids had already eaten all the food that I cooked. Whatever, I didn't have any leftovers. I have to cook dinner tomorrow. I have to work on this pasta recipe. So mm-hmm. I made do this so I'm like it's <laughs> like even yeah, my that's not relaxing great. cooking I'm like ooh, I could use this I could do this yeah that, that's yeah so that's good. what I, when I try new recipes I'm always like how long would it take me to big batch this for carryout could I run yeah. it on a carryout menu or not and I'm like it's just so stupid this is a weekend thing it doesn't even matter but it is like you just yep. do it and and that's it's the same for any work because I do a lot of content writing and I'm like if I'm doing it for this client, I may as well knock this out and then I don't have to do it later. But then uh, I always uh, do it later too. Uh, <laughs> it's always I there. Even, yeah. It's funny. The batching work thing. Yeah. I, I'll find myself like if I'm filming a pasta video, I'll like, mm-hmm. I'll be like, Oh, I could film this like trick for how I grate Parmesan in the blender. And I'll be like, oh, okay, just set up. <laughs> move over here and try to like batch my content. Yeah. You know, I mean, moms, we're really tired and emotional people, but we're really good at getting shit done. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's a memoir. That's a memoir title. Um, All right. One, one more question that came in from Instagram, because I've kind of been lacing them through here. Christina Marcelino, who is a working mother also, um, who, when she saw that you and I were talking, said, ooh, I want to be her. So congratulations. <laughs> um, she would love to know how you schedule your day and week because I feel like I'm flying by the seat of my pants every day. Yes. Okay. So I use an app called Notion. And okay. my assistant, who I finally hired an assistant, I think back in March, and that's another thing that I outsourced. So instead of mm-hmm. you know hiring a babysitter to take the kids while I respond to all these emails and file all my f- photos everywhere and you know schedule podcasts like you've talked to Ariana, um, and instead of 
doing that myself. I now use Ariana. So that's like one huge way that I've outsourced. I am obsessed with Ariana. She does everything for me. Um, she uses this app slash like scheduling program called Notion. And she okay. puts all of my, like everything I owe her goes into Notion or not owe her, but everything that's like coming yeah. up on the horizon. So mm-hmm. she puts together my class packets. I like send her all my frantic notes for my menus for my cooking classes. And she puts it together in like a pretty format, which was taking me so much time. So that was huge. Um, right. So she uses notion to track it all, but then on top of that, she noticed that I just wasn't going into it. So I was dropping the ball. Sure. Yeah. Base camp is that for me. (laughs) So we have an Apple note. Basically, she was like, it seems like you don't want to open an app. And I was like, that's right. She was like, what if it was on notes? Yes. So we have this Apple note. And at the top of it, I'm looking at it. It's called Nightly Recap. And every day she sends it to me at the end of the day. So it's right now it's Nightly Recap from last night. Caroline to-dos. And it's do-do-do-do-do. Email Dan back about Substack. Uh, do this interview for Substack. Um, you have your interview with Car- Caroline Airy tomorrow. This mm-hmm. person contacted you about the money raised for the women. Do you want to talk to her? These people want to do a partnership. Do you want to talk to them? So it's literally bulleted out and I respond in bold with what to do. So if it's something I need to do myself, I check it like I've done it. If it's something I want Ariana to handle for me, I respond in bold right beside it. It's literally the most, it's like all the apps that are created for like uh, how to manage your schedule exist in the workflow. Even right. they were too much for me. So we just operate off a freaking Apple note and it is fantastic. My co-host who's on sabbatical currently, Hannah, um, who also is a huge fan of yours, uh, loves your street corn pizza, by the way, told yes. me my girls would really like it. She just made it. But um, she kept recommending uh, an app called Things to me. And I was like, love the yes. idea of it. I cannot even download it. Like it. text me, text me the yeah. thing, text me the thing. Yeah. And I'll tell you if I've done it or not. Like yes. it, it's like, it was, it was one more thing on my mental load that I'm like, I'm sure this will help me. I yep. cannot cross that hurdle. Yep. I really use my email as my to-do mm-hmm. list. So I am an inbox zero operator. Yes, like if, same. if I have, yeah, if there's something in my inbox, it's because there's something that needs to be done with it. So like yep. if I'm working on a brand partnership and the last thing from Lindsay, my partnerships manager is like, okay, here's the final approved concept. It stays there. Even if it's not due for two months, it stays right there until it's done. And then it's also yes. over on my calendar. We use, we use like Google calendar. My Google calendar is like, like every single minute is like, you know, when, when the nanny's here, when the babysitter's here, when, if I, if I can go freaking play tennis that week, tennis is like my, my thing that I love that I try to get to go play at least once a week. Like every single thing is Mm -hmm. on that schedule. Um, so yeah, Google Calendar, honestly, Google Calendar and Apple Notes are like my, are how I operate. And does George share those with you? He does, yes, he shares David the is very calendar. analog. So we like oh, try, but there's a no. lot of like, by the way, by the way, this, this is, is what you need to look at. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. we are almost like obnoxiously, we are like ride or die Google Calendar people. So there's a George yeah. and Caro, there's a George and Caro calendar that 
was created like before we got married and we still <laughs> do it. And if it's not on the calendar, like I have this monthly meeting with a bunch of female entrepreneurs in the Monterey area. And it's every, it's the second Tuesday of every month in the morning. And I keep forgetting it to put it on there. And I'm like, but you know, it's the second Tuesday <laughs> of every month. And he's like, if it's not on the calendar, I'm going to work and I'm not watching the kids until right. you get home at 10 a.m. Like, that's how it works. So like a good example of this is that tomorrow I have a hair appointment at 9 a.m. and he hasn't brought yeah. it up, but it's been on the calendar. So I'll let you know how that yeah, goes. Please, please do the follow up on that. But yeah, that's I'll, like, um, I'll be like, David, remember we have first grade open house tomorrow. And he's like, yeah, on it. And I am positive at three o'clock. He'll be like, what are you thinking for dinner? And I'll be like, it's as a reminder. First as a reminder, house, has been has it's like a constant per my last email, yes. which is which is absolutely the state of marital bliss that I had hoped for. Per <laughs> my last, honey, per my last. Yes, I, bless him. Uh, bless him. Yeah, the I have to say the the group calendar thing is huge for our marriage. We like there's like no more even like holidays. It's like. Uh, we're already it's it's almost september so we're already starting to get into the holiday like are we gonna do it at your house your parents house right see we because we have a baby coming in december i'm like hoping that we'll cover that but she's due early december nora beth my oldest her birthday is december 18th my middle anna blair her birthday is january 5th and then Jane Ellis, my oh. youngest, is in June, so it doesn't matter. But like, wow, I'm like, you've gotten a lot of holidays off. I've gotten a lot of holidays off, and off. I'm doing it again this year. <laughs> yes, because yeah. it is certainly making birthday memories with Christmas. Because I'm like, hey, bud, by the way, we do need to start birthday and Christmas shopping like yeah. now because that now. becomes very pricey. Yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, George's birthday is also December 18th and happy birthday, George. His mom is really good at Christmas. And I think she's so good at Christmas because her firstborn child shared a birthday with Jesus basically. And she had to go hard to show him that he was just as important as Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like it is like, how do I compete head to head with God? I will find a way. And this is how, this is how it's through Fisher Price. (laughs) And that's exactly right. We're yeah. we're heading into our seventh year, and I don't know. I kind of have the edge. I think so. We'll yes. See. Yeah, you've got it. You've got it. <laughs> well, thank you. I don't want to take up any more of your time or um, mess up your Google Calendar, but I'm so glad that we got to chat. <laughs> um, George is George is texting me frantically. We must have an appointment. No, um, thank you. I know this was so fun to get to talk, and I appreciate you bringing me on. And I love talking about how you know women whether you're staying at home or you're working full time we you know we actually cannot do it all there are ways to make our lives a lot better if we just outsource things and lean on other people for help and so i'm glad we got to talk about that a little bit yeah and i think ultimately it's realizing like not just shutting your role of mother is really important because it does feel like i can't be both yes. a mom and a and a professional in any kind of space it doesn't mean if you are working corporately or just trying out a hobby mm-hmm. so i like that your goal is like mother is not the one that you have to shed because yep. that can bring a lot of fulfillment so yep. thank you for that reminder for us yeah. and yeah. letting me bring up things that I've creeped on your Insta stories, um, I love it. which is always my favorite to approach people to be like, here's what I know about you from social media. Yes or no. The funniest is when people I'll like run into people 
out and they're like, oh, so sorry, I recognized you. Um, it's so creepy that I recognize it. And I'm like, I'm the one who posts myself on Instagram. <laughs> right. You didn't like creep into my phone. I did right. this. I'm the this is what one. I created. Yeah. Well, David, David had all the girls at like a gym that one day, like Ed doing like a play gym and somebody came up to him. Not that I'm at all in the influencer space, yeah, but no. was like, I, I know your girls. They all have like this straight hair bobs and bangs. Aww. And they were like, I, I this is so weird, but is that Nora Beth Anna Blair and Jane Ellis? And he's like, Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, it is. And uh-huh. he texted me and he was like, So people like know the girls from Instagram. And I'm like, that makes me feel great. I don't yes. know if you're approaching this as a security issue, but I'm very excited about yes. this. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I wasn't gonna admit it, but honestly, people mostly um recognize me through Mattis's hair oh yeah well it is an excellent head of hair it's a lot of hair they'll be like is that Mattis I'm so sorry is that creepy I'm like oh god yeah oh, so yes and yes but I did this like this I, this is my Chris Jenner moment and I'm here for that yes yes awesome um, all right Caroline thank you for having me yeah thank you we'll talk again soon thanks bye yeah.